Hey besties, I'm Cara and welcome back to Two Besties, One Brain Cell. Today I'm joined by the lovely Michelle Nguyen, better known as Gucci Pants. Cara, it's Gucci Pants. Oh. <laughs> Gucci Pants. Just, we're not even funny. I know. Just leave it silent for 10 minutes and then the podcast starts. I need one of your like GIF edits <laughs> that you do oh my God, in your dead, YouTube yeah. videos. <laughs> Crickets. Um, so where did that name actually come from? I've always wondered. That's a really good question. I get asked that all the time. Mm. And it's like the most boring story in the world. Like every time I tell someone, mm. it's like the most anticlimactic story, but I will proceed. <laughs> so my friend has had a password for her Netflix or something like mm. that. It was a, her Netflix password. It was Gucci Snakes. And I oh. hopefully no one tries to figure out who it is and try to like hack into <laughs> to hack shit. into her Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> And then I used her password and I was like, what the fuck is that? Mm. And she was saying how she saw on like, do you know Future the Rapper? This story is so mm-hmm. shit. Like, I'm this so sorry. So Future the, <laughs> the, second, the second I said Future the Rapper, the story was, <laughs> was done. Like, this is going downhill. <laughs> this is real quick. Anyway, she saw, okay, I don't even, let's skip that Future the Rapper part. It was yeah. her password. And then I just, my original Instagram name was always Michelle Nguyen with three L's mm-hmm. and so I wanted to update it make it different because there's like a gazillion Michelle Nguyen's and then I made it Gucci yeah. Snake but S-N-E-K and that's my personal Instagram oh yes and then I'd had that for ages and then when I would go out people would always be like oh Gucci Snake blah blah and then when I finally mm. made my makeup Instagram I was like okay let's just kind of play off of that and do Gucci paints like painting as in like makeup painting but yeah that wow. the end sorry Sheer story ever. <laughs> no, that's cute. So you literally based your brand off your friend's Netflix password, essentially. Yeah, basically. That was well, the origins. Yeah, it's beautiful. That. That's cute. Um, well, so yeah, I guess that's probably how most people would know you is from your makeup page. That's definitely how I came to know you. I was like, who's this Gucci pants girl? <laughs> who's that Gucci pants girl? Gucci pants. Pants. <laughs> Everybody do, do people probably call you thinks that? it's Gucci pants. I get like really random. Okay, this is not to like toot my horn or anything, but sometimes I'll get mm-hmm. like brands DMing me and they'll start it mm. with, hey, Gucci pants. And I'm just like, <laughs> delete message. I don't even reply because like. That's such like a lack of attention to detail. Yeah, I think it is too. I mean, to be fair, like it's a pretty obscure name and like it can be confusing, but I'm just like. It just makes my job easier just to delete the message and just not bother because mm. it's just, yeah. Half the time it's like a really random spam email anyway. Or like message. a sunglasses brand that's like, hey, gal, <laughs> with like star emojis. <laughs> DM us for more info. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many of those. I feel like Instagram is like infiltrated with like spam, like brand deals. Would love mm. for you to be a brand ambassador. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that's everybody gets that. You can have ten followers. Yeah, I I don't even hashtag anymore because I feel like it does nothing except for get you spam. What was the question? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember either. Sorry, I just have this I just got on a tangent. Buckle up, guys. <laughs> yeah, strap in. <laughs> strap in. <laughs> 
Well, why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself, I guess. So what do you do? How did you come to be <laughs> on this How did earth? I come to be? <laughs> so it all started in 1995. Oh, we have the same birth year. There you go. 1995 is where it's at. So how did I get into makeup? I got into makeup because I needed a job when I was in uni, when I was doing my first course. So I did fashion design and tech and I just needed a casual job, but I've always loved makeup. I've always, always loved makeup, especially in like the Mm -hmm. YouTube days, like Michelle Fan and like all that stuff. Oh my God, Bob's Beauty. Yeah, all that stuff. And it's so sad, speaking of Bob's Beauty, like it's so crazy to think how social media has changed and like there's a new wave of people. Like Bob's Mm. Beauty has like 50,000 views on her videos now. Do you remember when she had like a million? Oh my and god! It's so yes. different how the landscape has changed. But anyway, yeah, I digress. It's a whole thing. Um, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> this whole podcast is just going to be me just going off topic. Tangent. Have yeah. trouble, yeah. Have trouble focusing. Anyway, and <laughs> I needed a job at the time, and so mm. I applied for a makeup retail job during mm-hmm. uni just to get me through. But I really loved the store because I'd always shopped there. But I could only ever afford mm. like a freaking hand lotion. So when I got the job, I couldn't even believe <laughs> so it. <can> glory. <laughs> Open glory, $5. That's all I could literally afford. And I like that stuff was so precious to me. Mm. And I got the job and after I got on the job, I never imagined that I would be doing makeup ever. I just loved makeup. But I think a big part of me always like kind of buried the fact that I wanted to be in makeup because I don't know, I feel like when you're Asian, like you always just get taught, like the one thing you're raised with is make money. Mm-hmm. whatever you do, make money, be successful. And I just thought like makeup's never going to get me there. So I'm not even going to bother. So it's something I've always like kind of swept under the rug. And but until I started working, you know, where I started working, yeah. I saw all the makeup artists doing like makeup applications on the weekend. And it was like the most mesmerizing thing in the world. And I think from that point yeah. onwards, I knew like I really, really wanted to get into makeup artistry. But even then, I was still very hesitant. It took like a couple of years before I really got into it. But uh, mm. during that time where I was hesitant, I would always practice on like my cousins and like my friends and stuff. When we would go out clubbing and stuff, I would practice on my mm-hmm. cousins. Oh, you were the designated like, can you do my makeup? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Can you put my lashes on? Can you do eyeliner? Yeah, oh, my God. Can you do my yep, eyeliner? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I'll do everything for you. Always. And so I really, really, really enjoyed it. And mm. and then I guess a couple of years later, I finally decided to commit to it and just start a page. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's now or never. Like, you just got to do mm. it. Yeah. When did you start your page? Because I, f- I feel like that's how I discovered you, like, a few years ago. I started my page a very long time ago. It's been a really slow and steady Mm. growth, I guess. it's Some people have like overnight success, but like it's just been really slow for me and that's totally fine because I've been able to build a community slowly. But I started like four or five years ago. I feel like it's more organic when you build it slowly. Like you, because that's one of the things I wanted to say too, is that I really love the way like your page specifically has like built such a strong community like you can tell that the people that follow you are there for you and they really like love interacting with you and like the stories that you post and everyone just seems like so lovely and I'm so glad you brought that up and I really Mm. like that about like my page as well like I feel Mm. like 
although you know I'm not like a huge influencer or anything like that and it's like mm. a nice and small community I feel like we all trust each other's opinions like if I suggest something people like trust what I'm saying and oh yeah if Gucci Paints recommends that you buy it <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like it's like to be honest with you like Instagram is so saturated beauty is mm. so so saturated like mm-hmm. everybody is sponsored these days and like I'm all for that I feel like secure the damn bag do you know what I mean like but it's so hard to filter out who's actually selling a product because mm-hmm. it's sponsored or who actually genuinely likes a product and I feel like that's mm-hmm. the good thing about smaller pages is that we have nothing to lose like we're not making brand deals so we can say whatever the hell we want do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't really matter. So that's what I like about my page is that I feel like very comfortable still being able to just like talk shit about a product if I hate it. And so people yeah. enjoy that as well, which but is I great. But I think that's why pe- what people enjoy, like people enjoy authenticity. And it, I think it goes further than just product recommendations too. Like I feel like if you're mm-hmm. showing more of like your true self and your personality, like it creates a stronger bond with your audience where they're yeah, for like, sure. you know, you're creating trust with each other. And, like, building a relationship, which is, like, going to be a more sustainable community, like, long-term. 100%. And I feel like that's the direction that social media is going in. Like, Mm. if you look back to what Instagram was even, like, five years ago, it was all about pretty pictures, edited feeds and stuff. Yes. But literally, like, if you look at what Instagram is now, people just, like, have photo dumps. Like, Mm -hmm. people don't really care anymore it's all about Mm. what's real I don't know because it's it's like like, I think Instagram has yeah it totally has because Instagram is oh there's still people on Instagram that are really like curated and sponsored Mm. and Mm. it is what it is but I definitely think Mm. there's a movement towards like more real content and I think that's what people enjoy yeah because I think we've all kind of just like we've seen that wave pass and like we're all sick of it and also I don't know if this is just me but I predominantly use Instagram for like the messenger feature now. That's where I talk to most people. I've kind of moved over from Facebook Messenger to Instagram. But if I ever do mm-hmm. go for a scroll through my feed, it only shows me like three posts and then it goes to like suggested posts from like meme pages. Do you get that? Or do Is you have really? like a long news feed to scroll through? Yeah, I, it shows me like three posts before it's like, that's it. You're all caught up. I'm terrible because like I'm already on TikTok heaps and I'm already on Instagram for a really long time so then I really rarely scroll through I scroll through the first 10 photos of my feed and Mm. then I usually I'm more of like a stories person stories yeah so I go through (laughs) stories a lot I don't scroll through um my feed as much but that's because I'm always on TikTok like I spend as little time on Instagram as I can because it it's just as addictive as TikTok, but I'm very addicted to TikTok. So I feel like all my time TikTok's goes a bit there. more varied though. I feel like TikTok, I can justify spending more time on, not, not justify, it's a horrible addiction. It's the biggest time sink ever. But <laughs> in my mind, I feel like I can justify spending time on TikTok a bit more because it's like you see such an array of content that it's fresh and you're like learning things. You're like, this is educational. So I'm going <laughs> to stay on here for 10 hours. I justify it like oh that. I'm God. like, I'm learning about self-love. I'm learning about red flags. I'm learning about anxious attachment style. <laughs> this is free therapy. Like, you can't Literally. tell me otherwise. There are psychiatrists <laughs> on TikTok. I'll have you know. Oh, I follow all of that. Follow, 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 follow. Tell me more about myself. I don't want to pay for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> when people start sending those to you and you're like, what the fuck are you trying to say? When people... When people don't want to tell you you need to go to therapy, they just forward TikToks from therapists. It's the easiest way to tell your friend they need help. 
my friend literally today I was telling him my problems (laughs) and he was like is this something that therapy could potentially help with (laughs) god I hundred percent think that is, but I think, but at least like he was right. (laughs) You were like, you're not wrong. I was like, yep, we are talking about deep rooted trauma, so we all have it. I mean, hundred percent. But to answer your question that you actually asked me before I went on this tangent about TikTok, um, no, I don't get those suggested posts. I just don't think oh, maybe I, I scroll the far was. enough. <laughs> I remembered. <laughs> I don't think I scroll far enough for it to like come up with mm. that. Yeah, it's definitely more about the stories, though. I've noticed. I feel like his stories, like again, it's that thing where it's more organic. Like people don't yes. sit there like setting up a tripod and like getting all the angles right for a story. You're just kind of posting 100%. as you go. Yeah, people prefer seeing shit like that. Yeah, people love my spelling mistakes. It's always on a whim. That's just mm. the real me. <laughs> mm. But that's literally what stories is. I especially love your stories where you review things and then people start sending in all their feedback and then you post their comments on your story. Those are like my favorite things to read because it's like, it's just like a really? wealth of information. I love, you're like crowdsourcing feedback on products, like, and not even just beauty products, like fucking bike shorts. I'm like, <laughs> Like, oh yeah, that's actually really good feedback. Yeah, I-, I love it. Like lately, I've just been like, it's no longer about beauty and skincare <laughs> anymore. It's about bike shorts, camel toes. Let's all- let's talk about it all. Like racism. Let's mm-hmm. just dive deep into it. Oh, when you called out that that chick for being racist, that was that made oh my, my day. <laughs> that night was just like so intense. I feel like when you start talking about racism, it's just really like intense. Oh, it starts a big ball just, rolling like, when you do. It does, and, like, everyone has an opinion, which is fantastic, and it's so mm. good, but it's, like, it's a really mm. heavy topic, and I feel like, yeah, that night was a lot. And I was like, yeah. maybe I should just have a break from talking about racism for a bit, and then we can bring it up next time. But it's just a lot because it's a very um, intense topic. It is. It's not really like bike shorts and camel toes. Yeah, it's not the type of thing that you can just kind of, like, gloss over. But um, it's important, though, like, for people to be having those conversations. And I also feel like it's important for people to to bring up topics like that in, like, a more casual setting or in, like, a more, um, like, in a setting where people, can, like, feel comfortable to have their input because it, it can yeah, be intimidating. Sure. Like, I think people are scared to speak on topics like that because they might be scared of, like, saying the wrong thing or they don't know how to word it in a way that sounds educated or you know like they don't know the perfect way to word it but it's important to have the conversation anyway yeah a hundred percent and like I feel like you can sweep it under the rug but like I don't Mm. think it really fixes everything but I feel like like you Mm. said earlier there's kind of like a community of people right so if we kind of just bring it up in a casual way we can just kind of voice our opinion without being like I just feel like sometimes some pages are very political so you get very very strong opinions Mm. from people but when Mm. you've got like a small community of just everyday people talking about it it's just very calm and so I guess that's yeah you know that was a good thing about bringing up that racist um topic I guess Everybody just has, like, a very gentle opinion but a very valid opinion. But sometimes I think when you read, like, very political pieces or whatever, like, mm-hmm. it's just a bit much. Yeah. Well, I think that, like I said before, like, you've bred a really respectful community. So people were voicing their opinions really respectfully. Um, 
But the other thing is like if you're reading like say a, an article that's written or, um, you know, like a Twitter thread or something where someone's really strongly opinionated, it can be intimidating to have your input because you don't want to get attacked for, for what you have to say. But at the same time, like it's still important for people to be having this conversation so that you can see other perspectives and start to piece it all together, like a holistic view yeah. of an issue. A hundred percent. And like you said, on Twitter, you just get absolutely roasted if you say something oh, yeah. that's like not, <laughs> you would know, you're the Twitter queen. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know what that reminded me of? <laughs> no, this is... <laughs> Side note. So me and Michelle work together at the same retail job. Um... <laughs> yeah. We didn't even mention that. Yeah. We oh, work so, together. Okay, we literally work together. <laughs> Shall we backtrack? <laughs> so I've Go been back. following Michelle. <laughs> back to the beginning. I've been following Michelle for years since I lived like back in Sydney. And I saw um, some of like my Melbourne makeup artist friends like reposting her or like talking about things she recommended. And I'm like, who's this Gucci paints girl? So then I went to follow her and I was like, oh my God, she's really cool. And I think we'd like kind of chatted like back and forth a little bit, but not like we hadn't really talked a lot. Um and this was back on my makeup Instagram page, which I then completely neglected mm-hmm. from like the beginning of COVID onwards. I hadn't even logged into that page because I stopped doing you makeup. You should start posting again. Yeah. Are you, are you going to? Um, I always like want to, but I did, like I haven't really been doing makeup for the last few months anyway because of lockdown. And yeah, I haven't even sure. worn makeup <laughs> like, for so long. I've been looking <laughs> ugly for months but it's I probably will um try and reactivate that page at some point we look forward to it (laughs) we'll see we'll see um yes and then I moved back to Melbourne and I transferred with like the company that we both work at and then when Mm -hmm. I found out what store I was at I realized that Michelle worked there and then I think (laughs) the first time I met you I just told you my life story (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember that first shift. We were just talking about everything. It felt like we had known each other for ages. I know. We were literally talking about relationships, breakdowns, everything. I was like, whoa, this is great. <laughs> I was yeah, like, whoa, did I That was a great shift. I was like, this is perfect. I found my person. No, you didn't scare me at all. I was like, okay. I feel like it's just easier when both people are open and you don't have to crack mm. the other person. It's just like, oh my God, okay, let's just talk about everything. Yeah. yeah that was well, shift. that's the thing. I feel like you're really easy to talk to. Like your aura is very like calming and like. <laughs> See, you say calming, but sometimes inside I'm like, wow, I'm like so chaotic. But I don't know if that's just because no. my mind is like in overdrive. But it's like a. It's like a mellow chaotic. Like I can see the chaotic vibes, but for those of you who haven't met Michelle in person, like she's very like, you're just very calm and like you just have a very welcoming aura that makes you feel like you can just like spill your whole life story the first time you meet her. That's so nice. That is the nicest thing anybody's ever said. No, but it's Thank true. you. I am just a calming soul. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like the opposite of me. No, I feel pretty okay. I'm a huge oversharer. So then like mm. if I start talking to you and we're both oversharing, it's just like a never ending conversation. So I, I'm always <laughs> happy to talk about anything, literally. If you want to talk, like I'll talk, like we can go, we yes. can do this. Have you always been like that though? Or have you like gotten more comfortable sharing things like over the years? I have always been a very private person. 
which is really mm. odd to say. I've always been a very private person, but I think still at this point I'm learning how to like be open but not overshare, like picking the mm. right people to talk and share information to. So I'm kind of still in between figuring out how to do that. But I was always super, super, super shy. And then once mm. I started working, I realized like I have to have a personality. You're like forced I have to, to talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah, literally. I actually have to speak. I can't just be like mm. quiet the whole time. And I feel like working yeah. where we work, you literally don't have a choice. I feel like the best thing I ever did was start working, you know, where we work because you just don't have a choice. Like you have to build rapport. You have to build a relationship. And so ever since then, like I've just been able to like hold a conversation a lot better and just, yeah. but I think with that, sometimes like it, I think I overshare a little bit to try and hold the conversation. Yeah. But I don't like like empty, awkward gaps in conversation. Yeah. I always try to fill the emptiness, which you don't need to all the time. You sometimes but I, have to, and that, like, I must. <laughs> I must. Today, I must. Literally <laughs> me. Like, I just feel so uncomfortable that I'll be like, mm. I just tell them my life story, even though that's not what they asked for. <laughs> do you do that with clients? Because I feel like I do that with clients I sometimes. definitely do. I definitely do. However, with some clients, like, you can tell from the get-go that yeah. they don't want to talk. And for me, I already yeah. work quite slowly and because I'm very, like, meticulous my appointments mm. probably go more lo- a bit longer than the average makeup artist so for How me it's just easier to, to gauge I think if anybody listens to this they're gonna be like what the fuck but I take an hour and a half okay which is not the industry standard industry, industry standard is standards like, like 45 to an hour yeah 45 to an hour exactly but I just find like mm. That's so rushed. I feel so rushed every time I do that. But people always say to me, like, even when I went to do makeup lessons, people would say to me, like, you know, that's way too slow, like way too slow, way too slow. And I was like, yep, I know, I know, I know. I need to speed it up. And I've spent the past four years trying to speed it up. I just can't. (laughs) I'm like, I've tried. Yeah, I get that too sometimes when I do makeup where I'll, well, Sometimes I'll just get distracted talking to the client if I'm getting along with them really well and I'll just be having a chat yep. and like taking my merry old time and I could easily take no, an seriously. hour and a half to do someone's makeup. But then other times it'll be like a really simple makeup um, but I'll just like get really stuck on something. Like for example, like there'll just be a little bit of eyeshadow that looks a bit patchy and I'll get stuck mm-hmm. trying to blend it out for like 20 minutes and then I realise I probably could have just stuck a pair of lashes on and like you know how it just kind of settles and it would have ended up looking fine, no. but I'll like be pedantic. I've started. No, seriously. I, that's the thing. The one thing I get stuck mm. on is eyes. You like, mm. you just keep going back, shading it, adding more shimmer, mm-hmm. contouring the eye more. And mm-hmm. you're like, it doesn't look right. And then you bloody put, put on the lashes and it just fixes mm-hmm. everything. And I'm just like, I literally yeah. could have done this 10, 15 minutes ago and saved some time. But the one bit that really has me stumped is eyes all the time because I just mm. want to keep working on it. And it just drains so much time when the lashes do half the work. So if anybody's listening to this and wondering, yes. like, what's the best eyeshadow tip I could give you? Literally, stick just on lashes. Pop on some stick on lashes. Literally, <laughs> that does half the job. And if you want to add a bit more eyeshadow after, just go back. But half the time, you put on the lashes. crease with a bit of brown. <laughs> no, no, seriously, like that's the easiest thing you could ever do. And yeah, lashes just fix everything. Yeah, that's the one thing. I think I spent too much time trying to perfect everything and, Mm -hmm. yeah, 
And because a majority of my clients are Asian. So I feel like you do spend, you have to spend a bit more time on the eyes. Mm. It's not like with white girls where you just pop a bit of bronzer in the crease and call it a day. It's <laughs> not really as simple as that. You're creating shade, you're creating dimension and stuff yeah. like that. So it's a bit different. But one and a half hours is quite long, but I, I'm trying. But I feel like as long as you've scheduled for it, like as long as you're like not being ambitious, like not booking in a one hour appointment and then ending up running overtime. Like I think if you've allowed the time, like most of your clients, they're coming to you because they want your quality of work. And if that's the amount of time that it takes, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, if people are super impatient, then they can go and book someone that takes 45 minutes, you yeah, know? totally. And that's the general consensus that I've gotten from clients mm. is that they don't mind the an hour and a half sometimes it's really bad if I'm talking to someone I can't multitask mm. either you, you realize you've been standing there holding a brush for 10 minutes uh seriously honestly when I do my cousin's makeup she just tells me how it is and she's like you need to mm. she's like stop talking and just put makeup on my face she'll just tell me I'm just like oh shit <laughs> you sorry. need people like that she'll just be like Michelle you need to multitask because I'm I'm gonna be late I'm like shit I'm so sorry but obviously clients oh don't say that to me yeah but then I sometimes I wish they would when I look at my like I've had to start wearing an actual wristwatch because you know like you don't want to be rude and have your phone out or whatever and then I'll be like three quarters of the way through and then I check the time and I'm like holy shit I have five minutes to like do their lips and stick yes. on their lashes and like do all literally this stuff. no honestly though yeah. I wish they would be like you need to hurry up. I've got somewhere to be. Yeah, sometimes I've gone a bit over and I felt really bad, but mm. what was I going to say? I was going to say something, but I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Did you ask me something? <laughs> no, I think that's all I was going to say about. Oh yeah. So the, I was going to say the patients, the, the clients, um, the clients. Who are doctors now? General. <laughs> Apparently we are. let's start again so the general consensus of like the Mm. clients and stuff they don't mind it they like it when they get pampered right an hour and a half to them Mm. is a breeze Mm. but then when you speak to makeup artists they're like how is that financially like viable do you know what I mean like you could be doing double the amount of people in a day and you're doing half because you're doing an hour and a half so on a like a makeup artist business perspective it just Mm -hmm. financially it's not the best but Clients love it, so I don't mind. But yeah, I I just wouldn't be happy with my work. Yeah. I feel like if I did an hour, I just would not be satisfied. And there's been a few times where I've had to do an hour. In a lot of cases, it's like bridesmaids for um, weddings and stuff. And, you know, mm. I still want to make it look great and stuff. But ideally, I would love to spend an hour and a half with the bridesmaids as well. Mm. But there's just no time for it. It just doesn't make well, sense. That was going to be my next, the, my next question was like, do you have different timing for wedding bookings? Because usually um, the case with those is that you've only got a certain time frame to fit in a certain number of people. So they might give you like four hours to fit in five people <laughs> for a bridal party. So like how do you work with that? So what I normally do is if there's just too many people, like in the mm. very, very beginning when I started doing weddings, I would take on all the clients and I would try to fit them in all by myself. And then with mm-hmm. Asian weddings, you have tea, the tea ceremony in the morning. So you're oh waking God, up yeah. at like 2 or 3 a.m. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And I just, after a couple of those, I just couldn't do it anymore. You just, you're not even at your best form when you're waking up at 2 a.m. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So then I would always tell the client or the bride, I would say, it's best to get two makeup artists. So one, you can sleep in and you don't have to wake up at 2 or 3. Yeah. And then like, 
yeah, it just pushes everything a little later. So then you're just coming in and you're a bit more refreshed. But mm. yeah, normally I would say I, I only take like four people on a wedding day, mm-hmm. max. Mm-hmm. I used to do like six or whatever. And a lot of makeup artists can do six or seven, which is incredible, yeah. but I just can't physically do it. And bridesmaids is usually like 50 to an hour, 50 mm-hmm. minutes to an hour. And with the bride, I'll always spend more time. I'll do like an mm-hmm. hour and a half because I don't want yeah. them to feel – I feel like the makeup artist, as a makeup artist, like or even anybody sitting in front of you, you kind of just vibe off of each other's energy. And like if you're in a hurry and it's like yes. really frantic, it's so stressful. And the bride's already like half the time they're so nervous already. So it's not – it's just yeah. good not to rush things. Well, because that's like if you think about it on your wedding morning, that's kind of like the only time that they get that whole morning to just sit down Mm -hmm. and like have a moment of peace like in that hectic day. So I feel like you want that to be like a relaxing moment for them. You don't want to feel panicked. You don't want them to feel panicked. Like you just want them to be able to chill for like an hour. Yeah, 100%. And I've also noticed that one time I did a bride at the very end of – like Mm. after everybody else and that was the first time when I was like trying to find my feet and like figure out what the best Mm. schedule was Mm -hmm. for weddings and one time I did a I didn't even schedule her in to be last but she kept pushing everyone forward before her because she just wanted to get stuff done so she ended up being last but by that time her house was like flooding with people like guests with for guests. the tea ceremony and it was so chaotic like she would have been left, so right. people were calling her and I was just like I guess for me like it's you know my job it's fine I can work with that but for her it was just like so chaotic she was turning around every two seconds and ever since then I've never ever put the bride last and if they say they want to go last I'll just say it's not a good idea because at the end everybody's like pulling you left right and center like where does this go mm-hmm. where does that go and so mm-hmm. you just never have the bride last. It's too too chaotic. Or the people that um like people keep calling them or like ringing the doorbell and they look down at their mm-hmm. phone every thirty seconds and you're like, can you just hold your yep. phone up in front of you and put your head up for me, please? And then two seconds mm-hmm. later, their chin's down again. And you're like, yeah. oh my god, I can't Literally. work with this. <laughs> but like a very well oiled wedding, that would never happen. I've been mm-hmm. to weddings where like it's been smaller or like it's been a little less formal, so the bridesmaids mm-hmm. and the maid, maid of honor don't have very set tasks whereas mm. like in some weddings I've had brides where they don't lift a finger like everybody mm. else around them is doing everything like don't talk to the bride like they don't need to know anything that's going wrong and it's so much calmer when you have like uh, a running sheet and everything scheduled who you need to go mm-hmm. to like wedding days for those brides are just so easy breezy and I think if anybody's listening and is planning a wedding just get your bridesmaids yeah. to do everything like you don't need to stress about anything yeah yeah oh my god this is making me really miss doing makeup it's fun there's a lot of it like really good energy I haven't mm. actually even announced this on my page but I'm not doing weddings next year oh um I'm not yeah I'm not doing weddings anymore I'm just going to be doing normal freelance oh how come is it like the stress factor it is for me like it's a lot like I it's Mm. funny like I really really have enjoyed doing weddings to be honest with Mm -hmm. you it's been so rewarding I've learned so much from Mm -hmm. doing brides and being you know there at like 6am or 4am yeah being a part of the day (laughs) yeah it is so rewarding at the end of the day you just feel so good but I think in terms of like my style of makeup Mm -hmm. and like the way I like to work it just doesn't work for me and then yeah. I have like a lot going on with uni and 
I want to pursue mm-hmm. other things as well. So I, I'm definitely still doing makeup. I can't wait to just be doing makeup from home and because mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. You get to spend a lot of time with the clients and you get to know them really well as well. I know that's my favourite part of doing makeup. It's so fun. It's so, so fun. And when you click with people you've never met in that an hour and a half, it's like, it's just a lot of fun. That's really all I can Yeah, you're like best friends for an hour. <laughs> yeah, literally. And that's what I really love. And I sometimes feel mm. like you don't really get that with weddings, which, you know, it's not really about me on the day at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why have I made no friends at this wedding? <laughs> you you're like, they're too busy talking to each other and not me. <laughs> I've, I've left with no bestie. What is this? I'm sick of this. <laughs> But, yeah, I think for me, like, it's been a really hard decision. And I did take a break Mm. for a very long time, like, a few years ago to try and figure out if I wanted to continue doing it. And then I picked it back up. But Mm. I feel like I finally made the decision to um, just step away from it. And who knows, maybe Mm -hmm. one day I'll come back to weddings. But for now, I think I'm very happy. Like, it makes me very happy to know that I'm stepping away from it and letting other people who really, really, really love weddings step forward because there's so many talented makeup artists out there who really deserve you know the spot and not that I was bloody taking up anything but you know they can come forward (laughs) no I know what you're saying me acting like I take up all the weddings (laughs) you're like all the weddings are now free for everyone else to (laughs) so everybody the jobs are open now so you can go ahead (laughs) every wedding ever (laughs) (laughs) there were no weddings left for anybody else but you're welcome they're free now so go ahead Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I will. You're so welcome. You will now be employed in 2022. <laughs> Hopefully. 2022, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I still have a couple more weddings I'm doing. I'm completing mm. in 2022. Like they were weddings were they that were meant to. postponements from. Yeah, they were weddings that yeah. were make, meant to happen this year, but they've just been postponed. So I'll be doing them next year. But I'm still really excited. I don't want anybody mm. that's a future bride in 2022 to think that, like, I hate weddings. It's got nothing to do with that. It's just that. <laughs> I think my path is just changing a little bit, so I'm just slowly mm. transitioning out of it. Well, they're very yeah. different. Like doing makeup for like like glam is so different to doing weddings. It's like totally 100%. different job. Yeah. It's so different. And I feel like I'm a very creative person. And sometimes mm. with weddings, it really restricts your creativity. Do you find yourself doing the same shit over and over again? Like you're like, I'm literally doing the exact same look on everyone. I find it really and I think this maybe comes from lack of experience but if Mm. I'm very like speaking candidly like I find it very hard to interpret what brides want because I'm like Mm. I'm like Instagram ho like let's go clubbing let's (laughs) go smoky eye (laughs) full-blown contour like that's the kind of glam I've always loved where you just like look snatched but with bridal makeup it's very very different and I completely understand respect that so I've think like sometimes I find it a bit more challenging to interpret what brides want because they'll show me pictures and in my head I'm like that's pretty full glam but then Mm. when they come to me they're like super super natural 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 and then by the time (laughs) I do natural it kind of doesn't look like anything and so then we're both like bamboozled we're like confused Um, but yeah I think some people have a natural talent to do bridal makeup they just have the skill and Mm. for me like I realized I really love like glam, glam makeup. And so mm. that's what I enjoy doing. That's true. But you know, sometimes I, I feel like part of that comes down to giving the client too much choice. Not to say that you shouldn't let them pick what their makeup looks like. 
But so I, today we're only doing black smoky eye <laughs> to, with a hot pink to, lip to the bride. <laughs> That's what's on the menu. <laughs> so today we've only got two choices on the menu: black smoky eye or a bold pink lip. I only do do those two bridal looks, and that's all you've got to choose from. <laughs> Pick one for you and one for your bridesmaids. <laughs> this no, is iconic. But, oh my gosh. But I feel like people, like the way that they describe things is so different to like how you envision it, right? Like you probably get this all the time when people come in looking for a lipstick shade. <laughs> like, that is my least favorite oh, thing to find. Oh my God. Like, just like a, a nude lipstick. I'm like... So do you mean like a pinky nude or like a flesh tone nude or a tan nude or do you mean brown or like what do you call Gosh. what's nude to you? <laughs> nude to some people is like hunt, Mac Honey Love and then nude to mm. other people is like taupe. I don't know. Yeah, literally. And then people <laughs> think that they can't wear nudes because it's too pale but I'm like that because they're you're probably wearing the wrong one. Yeah. But this is speaking on our job, like, because mm-hmm. now that I can talk to you about it, it's kind of funny. But mm. don't you, I have, I don't know, this is going to be, someone's going to really hate me for this, but I've always found it really weird when people could not decide on a lipstick shade. Yeah. Like, you know, when you spend an, an hour with someone and you're just like, and I understand you and I like are in makeup and we look at makeup, we look at the lipsticks all day long. So it's a little bit easier for us to choose. Yeah. But I find it really strange when people just cannot make up their mind. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm quite decisive when it comes to stuff like that. But people, no. so if anybody's listening to this, like we have customers that come in for days on end, like just making up their mind about two shades. <laughs> no, but the thing, okay, like the thing that I don't get about that is when they're looking for a lipstick and they've given you like a really vague description of a colour that's like a pinky nudie brownie and you're like, all right, what the fuck, like... <laughs> You're like pink noodle brown. And then you go around and they make you swatch it. So you'll swatch like 50 lipsticks and they want you to swatch it on your hand, which is for me usually a lot different colour to other people's hands. Oh my God, this is giving me PTSD. I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> and so you've swatched all these lipsticks and they're like, mm, I still don't know. And I'm like, you could do what I'm doing. You could walk around and swatch every lipstick because that's literally what I'm doing. I have nothing in mind. I'm just picking up a lipstick and showing you. Literally. Sometimes I'll swatch lipsticks that aren't even in the category that they've mentioned. And we and don't. Like, that's the one. Yeah, we'll just be like, yeah, that's the one. I'm like, oh, this was not even what you mentioned. It's insane. <laughs> like sometimes I go crazy standing. I think like I just think it's kind of not polite either to make someone stand Mm. there the whole time doing Mm. what you could have done like I'm literally Mm. serving no purpose like my you one you don't really care about my opinion yeah two like I'm swatching it on my hand when you could be doing this on yourself I don't know on your own I'm just maybe I've just I think I've been in retail for way too long and I just don't take shit anymore and I'm just like at the very end of the the journey in retail and it's just like (laughs) you lose the patience for it for sure you do a little bit and that's and I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea like I am still mm. very nice to people I don't ever I'm never never rude but in my head I'm just oh, like Michelle's so good with customers if anyone's getting the wrong idea <laughs> Michelle is like, <laughs> like a plus customer service <laughs> everyone's probably going to come see me and they don't want to come see me anymore but it's got nothing to do <laughs> oh with that God. this is like a really rare case it's such a rare case mm. like in a once in a blue moon you'll get someone that really takes a piss out of your like job I feel like yeah 
they know what they're doing, but they're just not, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what? I just remembered that time when a customer was like, oh my God, I watch your YouTube videos. <laughs> and I was standing on the other side of a display, pissing myself. You're pissing yourself. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and Michelle made eye contact with me and she was like, shut up. And we're both looking. The girl and I were just looking at you and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> dying <laughs> so oh unprofessional <laughs> i am like still to this day i'm just like oh my god like someone actually knows me like i get so <laughs> nervous when people say like i watch your stuff I'm like oh my god this is so embarrassing like yeah, oh my it's god, like oh hard my god, to oh respond god. to that right you're like thank you like you suddenly become like, really thank shy thank you so much <laughs> Yeah, I do. I'm just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I try to deflect it and I try to talk about them. I'm like, what's your name? Ask this, ask that. Like, what are you shopping for? Can I help you? Do you want to ask me anything? Like, don't talk about me. Does that happen often at work? Do people ever since I moved to, I think my demographic is the Westsiders. I reckon. I'm all for it. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> so, <laughs> it makes sense. But yeah, I think um, my demographic is very much more like the West. And ever since I moved to the West. I feel like I've met a lot more people, which has been really, really nice. I'm saying like I feel really awkward, but it genuinely has been very, very nice to meet no, people in person. Because you nice. talk to a lot of people. Yes, yes. It feels, it feels nice. nice. Just I just don't know how to, know how to react. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> I just get really weird. But inside, like, mm. it's all butterflies and rainbows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Um, oh, yeah, and then right after um, – right after I was I was telling Angela remember at work I was like oh my god so funny this customer just recognized Michelle from YouTube that's like when people say they know me from Twitter and then she was like yeah I think I've seen you pop up on Twitter and I was like no (laughs) oh my god I remember that and I think prior to that I didn't even realize like you were like the Twitter queen because like Twitter Shut up. Like, you know you are. Twitter queen. If Angela knows you, girl, you are the Twitter queen. But, like, I feel like – I don't know if I'm just out of the loop or mm. because I'm not, like, a Sydney cider. I feel like Twitter's really big in Sydney. Yes, for sure. Is There's that just like, me? Uh, well, I was trying to figure this out the other day because I realised, like, probably 70% of my, like, people that I follow on Twitter are from Sydney and I was trying to figure out if that's, like, from when I lived in Sydney or – whether like there's just more Sydney people on Twitter, but I think it's more of a thing there. It's like West Siders from Melbourne, and then like people yep. from the area in Sydney are the main like de- yes. Twitter demographic. I think so too. That's the general like mm. that's what I've seen or have understood from Twitter is that it's very mm. Sydney or like very West Side. But mm. a friend of mine. Once a year, he'll just send me, like, a thread of, like, beef, Twitter beef with, like, Sydney <laughs> Sydney people from the area, and it's so funny. Oh, there's always something happening on Twitter. I know. There's yeah. always something juicy happening. I'm like, shit, I'm missing out. Do you want me out. to start sending you Twitter beef? Yeah, can you please? If there's some yeah, good yeah, Twitter beef, sometimes it's really funny. <laughs> I'm just scrolling through it, like, just indulging in the shit. I'm the type to, like... I just cannot stand confrontation or drama, but I will watch from far oh. away and just indulge in it. I'm like in the thick of it, starting. starting <laughs> yeah. No, You're I don't start beef. I'm the one being filmed. <laughs> I don't start beef intentionally. I just don't have an issue expressing my opinion. And I also don't have an issue calling people out when I think they've said some like head ass shit or like something that needs mm-hmm. to be called out. 
Like I'll call them out for it and people don't like that. So <laughs> it sometimes becomes Apparently not. <laughs> but there you go. It can happen. What can sometimes you do? when you do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like social media beef. Mm. I feel like it gets very messy very quickly. So I don't like yeah. indulging in controversial stuff. However, mm. in person, more than happy to tell you how it is. Like really, I'm pretty polite most of the time. But like, if mm. I like you said, if I think something isn't right, or if someone's not being nice or whatever, I'll mm. tell you how it is. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, my mum's just talking to me. Sorry. Um, hi, mum. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Okay, sorry, she just like opened the door. She, yeah, anyway. It's okay. Are you and your mom close? Um, no, I'm not really close with my parents. Oh, I don't know. I would have imagined you to be. I don't know why. <laughs> therapy, therapy. That's <laughs> right. You have to talk about it. <laughs> no, I, I'm an only child. So you'd think we would be close. We do. Are you? Oh, there you go. Look at us. Yeah. God, only children. Yeah. Um, I am around them all the time. My parents are very like overprotective and overbearing. So mm-hmm. I feel like for me, like I need to step away Otherwise, mm. I will get smothered. Mm-hmm. But it's just because I'm still living with them, so I completely understand and I'm the only child. But I think that's what makes us not close is that I feel like it's a bit much sometimes and, I, and I'm, and i like, mm. super introverted. So I like having my own space. Especially, like, when it's your family too. You're like... <laughs> it's, like, suffocating, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Are you close with your mum? No. <laughs> we... Okay. Well... Yeah. No, we're not close, but we've had a really, really like rough, turbulent relationship. And I didn't speak to her for pretty much the entire like three years that I lived in Sydney. And um, yeah, and then I I thought we were never going to have a relationship again. And then I moved back and we've kind of like started to rebuild, but it's just like, like, it's the type of thing where we're never going to get to the bottom of our problems because like we have to sweep it under the rug in order to be civil. Because if anything gets brought up, it's just yeah. like there's no getting through all of that. Like we just have so but many I issues. I actually don't really – yeah, I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think we mm. romanticise a perfect relationship with our parents all the mm. time. But since like speaking to my therapist <laughs> – Yeah. Since speaking to my therapist, um, mm. I feel like he's made me realise like you kind of don't have to. Like heaps of people don't yeah. have the movie – movie relationship movie like relationship and that's totally fine because sometimes that's just healthier than trying to force like a really perfect romanticized relationship but yeah, yeah my parents and I we went through heaps of shit too and that's why like it's so hard to get close and on top mm. of that they're Asian so they have very different like values and ideals to what I have so it makes it even harder are they first generation mm-hmm first generation yeah. is like when you've just moved from like, like they another country right here yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're first generation. I was getting confused. Wait, is that right? Or are you first generation? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I know. 
I'm Asian. I should know. <laughs> yeah, come on, Michelle. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out. Someone will message us. <laughs> we'll do a little Google A later. Um, I probably should have done it before I said it. <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I always, like, had this thing where I thought that, like, I was so obsessed with this idea that my mum had to fully understand me or, like, fully accept, mm-hmm. like, everything about me in order for us to have, like, um, like a genuine relationship. But then mm-hmm. I got to the point where it was, like, I realised that we have so many differences in opinion. Like, we don't see eye to eye yes. on so many things. I'm, like, I'm just wasting my time trying to get her to see things yep. from my point of view. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. If I just, like – And I think a lot of- – no, you go. <laughs> go, sorry. No, no, sorry, you go, because I just interrupted you. Go. Um, I realised that if I just let go of that and accepted that we were not going to see eye to eye and just kind of tried to avoid, like, ending up on those topics, like, we can actually maintain a fairly civil relationship. Yep, correct. And I, like, wholeheartedly agree with that. I just feel like this is what I've realised. Like, parents are still people. They're... Mm-hmm. I think we, when we see our parents, it's just like mum, dad, like mm. the perfect movie, mum and dad. But mm-hmm. they're still people. They have personalities. They have values that differ to us. And yes, I think sometimes when you try to force it, that's when it. there's just so much friction. When you try to force it to be perfect, mm-hmm. I feel like the second you recognise that they're just different to you, just mm-hmm. like friends are, you know, some people you just can't be friends with because they're different. Like you're not yeah. going to force that. All you can do is like respect your parents but you don't have mm-hmm. to be like all over them and like make it like a big fat movie and make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can respect them and you can respect each other and your differences, that's like all you can really ask for, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. Like you said, you could spend the rest of your life wasting your time trying to make it perfect, but it's not going to be because you're different people. Yeah. And that's so funny that what you said about like them being humans. I was thinking about this earlier today, right? Um, is that it took me so many years to be able to like realize that my like it's, this sounds so fucked up but to realize that like my mum is actually human it's like i would always have the same thing with like mm-hmm. teachers in high school right like you imagine them as this authority figure that's so far removed that like and because I, I don't know I think it's also because I've never been like very physically affectionate with my mum either but I remember like one time when I hugged her and I was just like because we would hardly ever hug but the last time I hugged her I was like oh my god like it, like that's when it really hit me that she's like a person <laughs> like, like oh. yeah it just it was I, this probably <laughs> it sounds so strange probably this probably sounds really strange to people that have good relationships with their parents but it was just realizing that like also realizing that that she's like a person that had an entire life before I was even brought into Mm -hmm. existence and that all the things Mm -hmm. that I'm experiencing in my life now and all the feelings and like like emotional turmoil that I've been through are things that my mom probably also experienced like yeah before she had me you kind of yeah I feel like a lot of children and like us as you know children or kids Mm. how do I even word this (laughs) a lot of us children of parents (laughs) offspring us as offspring (laughs) you literally forget that your parents had a life before you and they have their own trauma their own behavioral traits that are Mm -hmm. not desirable or desirable Mm -hmm. whatever it is like you just forget that it's Mm. just like 
you maybe this is not for everybody maybe some people have recognized that their parents are not just caretakers but I feel yeah. like sometimes you just envision your parents to be caretakers without a personality and yeah. a life before you and trauma before you and yeah mm. but I feel like now that I'm picking it up and I'm starting to dissect my parents like personality I'm just like mm. oh my god I need to well, move out you know ASAP I feel like uh like this just comes as part of growing up though. It's the fact that we're now adults and that we are no mm-hmm. longer like dependent on them as caretakers. So true. That's when you mm-hmm. start to like make that distinction. You realize that yeah. like, oh shit, like, <laughs> like uh, c- because you, you reach a level where you're more equal. Like, mm-hmm. That's so, so true. then to, to think of them as someone who's closer to your equal than like an authority figure or like, like a parent, like they're still your parent, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just really strange. It's a really strange realization. And I feel like that comes so, with so a lot strange. of like, I don't know, it comes with guilt and like, kind of like, so much feel like how did I not realize this sooner? <laughs> like, am I a horrible person? But like you said, it just kind of comes with growing up and becoming mm. more emotionally intelligent almost. And mm. a lot of self-reflection, which like, mm. I don't think you really do until you're like in your mid twenties. Maybe it comes with, like, your frontal lobe developing. All right. We're getting scientific here. <laughs> I don't think your frontal lobe even does it. I think that that's the, your consequence <laughs> for, like, being able to, to think of consequences. <laughs> your fourth spinal cord, the fourth vertebrae. <laughs> <laughs> this is now a science podcast. We're actually doctors. Me and now. We were doctors earlier. We did say. Yeah. We have patients, not clients, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But oh, yes. How did I get on that tangent? I don't know. I actually don't know. But yeah, mm. a little parent trauma for you guys. Yeah. But, yeah. That could be a whole episode. It literally could be. Invite me back, please. I would love to talk about it. Love oh to talk about parent-child trauma. Lots to totally do that. There. Or, like, toxic relationships with your family. So much to say. Yeah, there is so much to say about, like, I think especially when you're growing up Asian mm-hmm. in and you're, like, trying to assimilate with, like, Western to culture. like, Western culture. There's so much guilt because in Western culture there's a lot of independence and, mm-hmm. you know, moving out, doing find your, finding your own feet. And then with Asian culture it's, like, stay at home, do what I say. And it's just, like, there's a lot of guilt there. But yeah. that's another topic for another day. That's very heavy. Yeah. yeah, no, I imagine that would be really difficult though, like trying to, especially if you grew up around like a lot of like white friends, trying to, I, don't, I guess, like fit in or like maintain the balance mm-hmm. of of like, yeah, fitting in with them, but also respecting like your culture and your family's wishes. Yeah, will, will probably be really hard parents. to balance. 100%. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've tried to push the boundaries a little bit. Like I want to mm. move out and stuff mm. and I still have a lot of guilt about that. Like sometimes they drive me Ugh. crazy, fucking crazy. But then like mm-hmm. the moment I start looking up like places to rent, I feel guilty. I'm, like, like, I'm so sorry. bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. But then it's mm. just like, yeah, you're just forever torn. And I think at some point you just need to make the decision that you're not really hurting them, but no one's going to be hurt in the situation because you're not doing well, the- anything bad. It's like, Oh my God, this actually reminds me of, um, sorry to butt in there, but this reminds me of a customer that I had at work. Um, And I I think obviously my experience is a little bit different because I'm not from an Asian family. Although if nobody knew this, she is white. I'm actually, (laughs) yeah, like fucking wonder white. (laughs) 
Kara is white. <laughs> I remember in high school, I used to tell people I was halfy. Um, and I think just because of context cues, like the fact that all my friends were Asian and the fact that I have like dark hair, I could kind of get away with it. And to this day, there's still people that are like, wait, what? You're not halfy? And I'm like, come on, it's been 10 years. <laughs> And you're like, oh, shit, sorry, I forgot to update you. Yeah, I forgot to tell you. That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, okay, so obviously, like, it's a little bit different culturally for me. Um, But my mum isn't, like, your typical white parent. I say my mum because I don't speak to my dad. I grew up with just me and my Um, Mm mum. Like, my mum actually has a lot of traits that are similar to, like, Asian parents or ethnic parents. Um, and oh, okay, when yeah, I yeah. did move out, like, wait, aren't you, aren't you Italian? My dad's Italian. Okay. So your mom's mm. like Aussie. Okay. Continue. Sorry. I just wanted to clarify that. Cause I was like, I feel like wogs and Asians are very similar. Mm-hmm. But ironically, I think my yeah. dad is the one that would be a lot more like chill white parent type of vibes. Okay. And my mom is the one that's okay. very much, um, like a lot of pressure to achieve things, um and yeah my yeah anyway whatever so moving out came with a lot of guilt for me for reasons that I think I would actually really like to do an episode on this because I feel like it could probably help a lot of people that are in a similar situation where they feel like they need to move out like for their for their sanity or for their mental health but are having trouble navigating like the guilt that comes with it yeah totally Um, but Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's what I was trying to get to. So I had a customer that came into work and she came in on Mother's Day and she was like this middle-aged fellow lady. She was so cute, like probably up to my waist. She was so tiny. (laughs) And I sat her down and um, I was helping her choose, like I can't remember, I think like a concealer or something. And she just started telling me about how um, her son had moved out and like she was devastated because she, she didn't think Poor that he thing. was going to move out until he got married yeah. and she felt like he'd abandoned her and, you know, like all of the stuff that comes with that. Um, and she was just saying, like, I don't understand why he's done this to me. Like, so she was really hurt and she took it really personally. And then I told her, Kara, oh. you were like, look, I'm just here to choose a lipstick for you. I <laughs> was not prepared for this. <laughs> um, I might have to redirect you. <laughs> I, I cannot be a therapist today. <laughs> We're no. just kidding. We always help customers. We love having <laughs> we, chats with we customers. Love our customers. <laughs> we really do. No, she was, we really do. She was so sweet. Um, but then she, cause she was kind of asking me, cause she was like, you're young. And I was like, look, I actually moved out when I was 22. And she was like, she was just asking me like, you know, were, were your parents upset? And I was like, yeah, me, my mom was really upset about it. But, um, hey, fuck, I need to try and figure out what my point was before I keep rambling. <laughs> so what are you saying? What are you trying to say? <laughs> um, <laughs> what's my point? <laughs> Sorry. Um, no. Oh, yeah. So she was just, like, asking me questions and I was trying to explain to her that, like, it wasn't personal. Like, her son didn't do it to hurt her. Even though it was hurtful to her, he'd done it for his own reasons. Um, And, you know, he hadn't done that with the intention of hurting her. And, yeah, but it it was just really sweet, like, the whole interaction. And I feel like she desperately needed, like, 
another perspective because yeah. she had taken it really personally. But yeah, she was so cute. She gave me like a big hug at the end and she was like, what days do you oh work God, on? How come sweet. Back in. <laughs> I, know. I, I love those interactions when you become besties. Yeah. Oh it's so good. And they're like, they'll come back to see you. And sometimes they do come back to see you and it's like the best. And they wait for you to serve them. They don't let anybody else serve them until you're yeah, done. Yeah, they stand around. They're like, yeah, I'm all right. right. Thank you. I'm yeah. waiting for Michelle. Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the best. So That's really sweet. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like parents are always hurt by that. I feel like they feel mm. like it's such a them them thing, like they've done mm-hmm. something or like we've done something to hurt them, but it's got nothing to do with that. I think people mm. just want to be independent. And I think when yeah. you're in Asian culture, everybody relies on each other. You just stick with family forever, but it's very hard There's to a lot be of value in that, your though. own person. Oh, 100%. Mm. But there needs to be some sort of hybrid, I feel like. Yeah, like a balance. As, yeah, a really good balance somewhere, which is hard to achieve as well. So that's interesting, which is probably another yeah. topic for another day. But yeah, yeah, I think the issue is just like initial, like people are scared of like the initial discomfort that initial. comes with it. So like 100%. obviously your parents are going to be really upset and really shocked at first and like um, yeah. they, they may be hurt by it. But I think it's like you just work through that like awkward few months and then yeah. – Usually they come to accept it in the end. So sometimes you just have to they take that leap They always do. Yeah, they're your parents. They love you. Literally, they doesn't matter what you do. Like I reckon, yeah, they will always mm-hmm. come around. I think to, you just need to push through the discomfort to get, mm-hmm. you know, what you want. Mm-hmm. But I think unless you isolate your parents and distance yourself, like they mm-hmm. will always come around. I just think parents are so forgiving. Like, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think they'll be dropping off food in two months' time. A hundred percent, unless you're the child that's, like, really spiteful and wants to cut mm. the relationship off. I feel like parents mm-hmm. will always come around. So that's why I feel like being scared of that really uncomfortable phase, like, don't mm. worry about it. It, it, it mm. always works out. Yeah. Oh, my God, we can totally unpack this more in another, in another podcast. Totally. Let us know if that's something you guys would be interested in please. hearing because I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> I'm saying please as if like I'm a part of this podcast. Please let me know. No, <laughs> it's more like please back. invite me back if <laughs> please please no. invite me back if you talk about it. <laughs> I feel like you're good to talk about um these type of topics with. That was another thing I wanted to to mention is like I feel like do we kind of cover this already? There's a lot of things that need to be talked about or like conversations that need to be started. And people don't like bringing yeah. them up, but people love to hear you talk about it. Like people love listening to you talk about things that are like taboo or uncomfortable but they just might not be comfortable participating in the conversation and it's funny that you put it that way because I was talking to someone who had listened to your podcast Mm. I mean your episode with Cindy about sex and we were talking about how like we all want to talk about it like sex Mm. is so swept under the rug when it's like the biggest Mm -hmm. part of everybody's life or in, Mm. in adulthood especially but like our sexuality is such a big part of us as Cindy said and like we all want to listen to it. We all want to talk about it, but no one mm. wants to talk about it. And so the person I was talking to was saying like, oh, thank God they talk about it. Cause like, it's so, it's always so interesting. It's always yeah. so, so interesting. So thank God someone is brave enough or feels courageous enough to talk about it. And then I feel like once you kind of talk about it, it doesn't feel as like taboo because you realize like yeah. shit, we're all going through the same shit. Literally, like you just have to break the taboo, start the conversation, and then usually people who have been on the fence about things will like start to speak up or like maybe just even if people can just feel a little bit better about the fact that they're not the only one that's like feeling those things or thinking those things, I think it it can be really helpful. Um, So it's important that that some of us have no shame. (laughs) 
<laughs> and feel like take one for the team <laughs> yes literally I'm like I'll take one for the team I do not care <laughs> but don't you think that's another thing that comes with like age or with like growing up you just start to give less and less of a shit about what people think of you or like Literally, what they say about you. 100%. I feel like in my early 20s, all I ever cared about was everyone else's opinion, especially mm-hmm. men. Now, oh my God. at yes. 26, <laughs> now at 26, I just could not fucking care less, honestly. Like, don't give a yes. shit about what you think of me. I'm just going to do oh me. God. And I feel like when you care too much about what people think, you attract the wrong people as well. You attract you people do. that aren't actually good people. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like the second you don't give a shit, like, yeah, you can always filter out the duds anyway. I feel like it's better that way. That's so yeah, true. Yeah, you're right. It comes with age and I feel like people don't need to rush it. It comes naturally. I feel like one yeah. day I fucking woke up and I just no longer gave a shit. I literally feel like that's happened to me in like the last few months. So like mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, people always talk about like I, <laughs> I'm saying this as if I've like actually like found myself, but people always talk about like going out there and finding yourself as if it's like some conscious journey that you embark on but I feel like it just kind of happens naturally like you just gradually start to accept it things happens. more and more and I totally agree care less and less about what other people have to say about you 100% I feel like it happens and I think sometimes there's like certain things that happen in your life that maybe mm. will onset that journey to not give mm-hmm. a fuck but mm-hmm. sometimes it just comes naturally when you wake up in the morning and you just don't give a shit anymore but yeah. it's great if anybody's wondering, it feels fantastic. Um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> it does. No, especially like the, the male validation thing. So me and Michelle were just having a little chat. We did. We pretty much had an entire podcast length chat before we started <laughs> recording the actual podcast. About- <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We spoke for so long when we could have recorded the whole damn thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we could not have. <laughs> Some bits we would have had to cut out. But anyway, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Um, no, but we were talking about the fact, like I was saying that I think I've recently come to a point where I've realized that I like do not care at all for male validation. And that I think that's specifically like the most satisfying feeling because like even like a couple months ago when I first started the podcast, I was like, oh my God, like what if guys listen to the podcast and they're afraid of me or like they're afraid to date me in case I talk shit about them. And then I was like good like <laughs> they should be I don't Seriously, care it's so good mm. that's how you filter out the shit ones that's like it also hasn't scared that many off yeah no because you're probably talking about them they're probably like shit I need to fix myself you know what I mean like <laughs> they're probably wondering like damn I am the red flag so yeah mm. I feel like in the past couple of months I feel like we're on the same journey here in the past yeah. couple of months like I have literally spent my entire 20s const- even in times when I thought I wasn't seeking validation even when I was in a relationship and I thought Mm -hmm. I wasn't seeking validation Mm -hmm. I still was I was still doing Mm -hmm. things to try and seek their love their approval and I was constantly trying to do things to make them love me more and honestly if anybody's listening to this like there is nothing you can like do sometimes to make someone love you more they either do or they don't and so they do or they don't waste your energy you can't change the way someone feels about you absolutely not They either do love you and respect you or they do not. And nothing you can do, nothing, like even if they give you a list of shit of things that they love about women, nothing you Mm -hmm. can do will change their mind. If they don't see it in you, that's it, period. And so like 
people are going to be like, oh, you're in a relationship. Like, like, why were you still seeking validation? Like, it doesn't end mm. there. Like, if it's, yeah, it just doesn't end there until you are fully content with yourself and you won't put mm-hmm. up with that. Like, it just doesn't end there. But, yeah, I've realised that I'm just not doing that anymore I'm sick of it I'm exhausted and I think everybody has to Mm. learn their lesson I think people can listen to podcasts about like girls talking about and teaching us teaching them how to like Mm -hmm. do self-love things and whatever but I think everybody has like an expiry date for seeking male validation and then it gets to a point where you just don't give a fuck anymore yes and like there's nothing you can do to like actively control Mm -hmm. it it just kind of like happens absolutely it happens don't give a shit literally and it feels great. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Cara, you and mm-hmm. I are on, are on cloud nine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> feels fantastic. I highly recommend it if anybody's thinking about it. If anybody's thinking about what we just said that you can't speed up, hurry up and get yeah. there. <laughs> try, try your best. Speed it up a little bit. Chop, chop. Chop, chop. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing I've learned. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of male validation or speaking of men, Michelle, what are some of your red flags in men? Okay. Well, I can think of the top three where you should (laughs) fucking run. Okay. Number one, like more than 50% of their following is, this is so like cliche, but it's literally true. I promise you, you will not regret walking away from this. 50% of their following like is Instagram models, import models, and LGs, fucking run. <laughs> You're going to have a true. lot of trouble. Like it may be fine. They may be infatuated with you now, but I promise you mm-hmm. in like fucking like two years down the track, you'll be having conversations of, can you please not like the picture? Like, and you'll have oh my God, a whole so conversation true. about it. Yeah. It breeds insecurity. Totally. But like, it's such a big debate on TikTok. Like, some mm. people will say the girl's just insecure and the other team will be like, it's just respect, right? Like mm-hmm. when you like someone, you're not just liking a picture. It's beyond that. You want to show, especially mm. like micro-influencers when there's like 2,000, 3,000 and you're liking their ass picture, it's probably sending, it's a, sending message. a message. Like you're probably trying to say yeah. something. Yeah. And so I just don't fuck with the people that say like it's just a like or like it doesn't mean anything. You're just insecure. Well, it's we all, we all know it's more than that. And usually I feel like there's, if, if it's something that you are getting upset about, usually it's because there's something more underlying it too. Like if you're in a super healthy relationship, like like an all-round healthy relationship in every other way, like your partner may be liking a photo, it probably wouldn't get to you that much, but it's usually indicative of like maybe other insecurities or thing, other 100%. things that are lacking that are making you then feel insecure about them doing that. So I feel like you can't just be like, the girl's insecure, that's her fault. That's terrible. But I feel like that is gaslighting. And if mm-hmm. anyone doesn't know what gaslighting is, that is literally the definition of gaslighting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that is definitely a red flag. I feel like also, yeah, so, yeah, in terms of insecurity, I feel like if they're still interested and still liking pictures of people mm. like they know of and their bikini pictures and their ass pictures and stuff, like mm-hmm. I would also question like how much – like where his head is at as well. Like mm. is he 100% in this or is he still looking for options? But, yeah, that's a whole thing. I just – that's my number one red flag. I'm just not into that shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I'm number two, that. straight males that are homophobic. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Huge red flag. My gosh. Like it's 
I think a lot of, and I have a lot of, lot of friends and people I've spoken to and they all say like their partner's homophobic and like they always make like jokes and stuff. And it's like, it's really hard when you're not the one receiving those slurs. So it doesn't affect you directly, mm. but I just mm. think like it says so much about their values. And so yeah, I would be about the character. so, so careful about that. So, so much about your character. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. With you on that one. <laughs> and number three. Number three is I posted this on my Instagram, but this is a hundred percent true. This, um, doesn't wait for you when they drop you off and doesn't open doors. Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw that one person vote like literally that it's okay for them to not wait for you. I was like, are you all right? <laughs> I'm not even allowed to comment on that, but it definitely goes against whatever I believe anyway. But I just think yeah. like you've got a whole fucking load of problems coming your way because I feel like that again says a lot about your character. Yeah, it says that they don't give a shit about your safety. <laughs> literally. And I feel like with the opening doors situation, like you're not always mm. in a scenario where you have to open the door, but. You don't have to open every car door for me, but I feel like if you're leaving a restaurant and Mm. you're walking out ahead, I would say Mm. maybe leave the door open for me to walk out so it doesn't hit me in the face. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm just going to leave that there. But listen to this. The time that that person Mm. didn't open the door for me, they gaslit Mm. me into thinking that I was being overly, like, pedantic and I was, like, overly sensitive what so that is a red flag all men do is lie and gaslight and like other bitches photos oh god that's the best way to sum men up oh my god Mm. honestly but yeah gaslighting is their like number one skill set they're very very good at it i will say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they've been cultivating the skill for a long time Mm -hmm. okay well i think that pretty much wraps it up i do have one more question for you though that i feel like Ooh. says a lot about a person is this like a bonus round <laughs> it's like a bonus round question um wow. I think i'm gonna start okay. asking this to all my guests okay cool so michelle what is your coffee order okay so i usually don't drink coffee because my hands get so shaky and especially on oh. days where i'm like already stressed and nervous mm-hmm. if i have a coffee i get so anxious mm-hmm. so i normally just have like a soy matcha or like a oat milk matcha so it's just a mm. tiny touch of caffeine, but it's not too much. Sometimes I'll have a coffee, but I'll have to be really calm and chill on the day because otherwise it just goes straight to my head. Like, oh, my God. too much. Meanwhile, I'm like three coffees deep by 11 a.m. <laughs> but you do get like um, immune to like, not immune, what's the word, like desensitized to caffeine. You build a tolerance. Well, right? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I've just never been able to build a tolerance. Uh, no, sometimes I still have anxiety attacks like induced by caffeine but you know what some of us don't learn our lesson <laughs> you just have another one after that yeah, yeah i just yeah ride the high coffee makes me so anxious <laughs> may as well <laughs> yeah coffee makes me so anxious it's crazy but i still have it occasionally but it's not good Oh, good to know. Yeah. There you go. That's my coffee order. Well, there we go. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast no. today, Michelle. It was so good to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. I feel like I just chewed your ear off, so I'm so sorry. Maybe this you're probably ready for like a 30-minute podcast. It's gone on for ages. No. I'm so sorry. I just keep talking. This is the thing. Once you start talking to me, like there is no shutting me up unless you walk away. <laughs> Literally same. <laughs> so, um. So I hope someone enjoyed this.
Everybody probably left like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> they were like, see you later. Can I just finish my thank you though? I just mm. want to say thank you for having me because this is my first podcast ever. And oh like, it's been so much fun listening to you, Cindy and Iza, talking about all the stuff that you have. Mm-hmm. And even your like your um high school experience. It's so funny coming from like a school outside of mm. that school and just watching from the outside and just hearing your experience. But honestly, thank you so much for having me. It's been so Aww. much fun. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been amazing. Um, and yeah, let us know, guys, if you want me and Michelle to do another episode, maybe talking about like family and moving out and all of that. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye.